0: This episode of AmateurLogic.tv is brought to you by Gigaparts.com, the amateur radio online superstore. Use the promo code ALTVFREE3 to receive a free gift with your order. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And by ICOM, HF, VHF, or UHF. ICOM has you covered wherever you go. Hi, welcome to Helmetrologic.tv, episode 51. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And Peter's not with us this month.
1: Yeah, we had a 50-hertz substitute in here for him a little while ago.
0: Yeah, a little of that Australian AC. He he had a computer crash this morning, and uh, we're not able to connect with him on Skype today, so he had a Linux box he tried to substitute.
1: Yeah, we uh we have a good segment from him, though. We'll be seeing that here in a few minutes.
0: Yeah, the Linux box didn't work out. Uh, all we heard, is like Tommy said, was the buzz, and he didn't hear anything from us. But, yeah, we'll have him in here a little bit with his segment. And we talked to Emil, too.
1: Yeah, plenty of good digital cheapness going on down a little bit south of us.
0: Yeah, Emil's always got a, a good cheap tip yeah. for us.
1: Yeah, I well, hear there's some congratulations in order for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Give me a pat on the back, man. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. won the Special Achievement Award, right? Yeah, uh, I got a
0: a call from the uh, Dayton Hamvention Committee this past week, and uh, they said, you know, we give away four awards every year. We give away a Club of the Year. Uh, We give away uh, Ham Radio Operator of the Year. And then we've got a Special Achievement Award of the Year, and uh, you were nominated for that one and won. So, boy, caught me off guard. Yeah, that's awesome, man.
1: Congratulations.
0: Yeah, so, thank you.
1: Yeah, it's well-deserved.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, I'll get the award at Dayton, and we'll see what it's all about. I don't know if it's a little sticker you put on your shirt or just what's involved in yeah. it. But
1: uh, Well, whatever it is, it's a good honor.
0: Yeah, so. and I don't know who nominated me yet, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get on into the show here, Tommy. We All right. We've got a few emails this time yeah. around. Yeah, we've got a few. I've got one here that came from Will and don't have uh, his call letters here, so I'm not sure if he's a hammer or not. But he says he tried building the Raspberry Pi power supply that I had on a couple episodes back, and he's running into a problem. He says his input is 12 volts, but his output is 7 volts instead of 5 He says he's not very experienced when it comes to putting things together, and he may have missed something. He's kind of confused about the grounding portion of the schematic. He says, do they all need to be a common ground, or is everything uh, just connected to the perf board? Well, Will, all those uh, ground points do need to be tied common somewhere, and that can be on one row on the perf board, but I would guess if you've got 7 volts coming out, there's a good chance maybe you've got a ground that uh, did not get connected in with the rest of them. So just take a good look over at your uh, circuit again and and make sure all the grounds are
1: common. Yeah, I hope to build that circuit myself here pretty soon. I got a need for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good one. All right. Well, I've got one here as soon as I can get my spectacles on. I've got one here from Ken. Uh, yeah, you remember Ken? He he had the uh, portable Raspberry Pi. Oh yeah, uh, hotspot. off at the ham fest.
0: WB4FA1. Yeah, yeah, that's him, the guy that sounds like you.
1: Yeah, actually, it's not. I, <laughs> I thought it was, and what he's talking about was on Facebook. Somebody said that I sound like the guy that says. Uh, Remote system linked and those things on D-Star. I think that might be Robin Cutshaw, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But anyway, his uh, his email says that he saw the video on episode 50 of his setup from the Jackson Hamfest, and they told me his name is Ken, which I couldn't remember. I thought I'd written it down, but apparently didn't. But anyway, he says if you're familiar with the link management software running on D-Star on the gateways around the world, he's the author of that code. Um, it handles the link timeouts and things like that. And he's actually the voice that says link to reflector, whatever, module, whatever. So I hear that all the time. Yeah, me too. Anyway, he said that's his voice. He did all the recordings. Well, he
0: did sound kind of familiar when we met him there. Yeah. But I I didn't know. You know, he was just some guy walking around with a neat little box.
1: Yeah. uh, I never would have pegged him for that. But anyway, it was really great to meet you.
0: Well, our sponsor Gigaparts is at it again, and they've got a great promotion going on this month, so let's take a look.
2: Built to last, the ICOM 7410 is the only rig in its class rated for 100% duty cycle, making it the best choice for ready, contesting, and digital modes. Get more performance for your money with its best in class dual conversion receiver greatly reducing internal phase noise insertion points. The 7410's large LCD screen makes it easy to operate its more advanced features, and the USB port makes it simple to connect to your PC for rig control, logging, or digital modes. No other radio in its class can deliver the performance or reliability offered by the ICOM IC7410. Gigaparts is the largest independent amateur radio dealer in the nation. Everything you need for ham radio, including books, DVDs, antennas, rope, coax, and tuners. Gigaparts has it all and is open Monday through Saturday. Call us toll free at 866-535-4442 and our friendly staff will be happy to help you find the right products for nearly any project and budget. Online shopping made easy with real-time pricing and availability and free shipping on most orders. Go to gigaparts.com and enter to win a free radio. Have a question? Click on live chat for a quick answer. Low prices? Huge selection. America's favorite ham radio store is Gigaparts.
0: You know that IC7410 is a great rig, Tommy. I've got one over here on the bench right now. I'm going to have to send back soon, but while I had it here, I made a video for ICOM, Uh, You can learn more about that rig at this link right here, and go check it out. It it really is a super nice rig, and GigaParts has got another promo going on this month, and if you use the offer code ALTVFREE3 between now and April 15th, you'll get a free gift with your order at GigaParts.com. Tell me, what are you doing this
1: month? Man, I've been into D-Star some more, yeah. and uh, I've been experimenting around with uh, call sign routing. So I thought I'd show the uh, the viewers how kind of a little bit about how it works. It's been a little while since we talked about D-Star on here. I'm still full bore into it, having a great time uh, I'm on it most of the time. Actually, um, I've been playing around with something that was a little daunting to me at first, but decided to delve in, figure it out, and it turns out to be much easier than I ever dreamed it could have been. And that's call sign routing. Call sign routing is is actually one of the things that, that was intriguing to me about DSTAR to start with. And what it is, in a nutshell, is if you go someplace and you register on a repeater by IDing or whatever, that, that puts you into the DSTAR system and it knows where you are. Someone else, another ham somewhere, if they want to talk to you, can put your call sign in the UR field in their radio and have the gateway enabled and talk, and it will actually find you, and you should be able to hear it wherever you are. Um, there's a caveat to that. It doesn't work with the DVAP, with the standard software that comes with it. I think there may be some third-party software that, it, that may support it, uh... i haven't really delved into that very much and, but uh... you know maybe a topic for for a later date but i'm i'm just going on this segment based off of the out of the box stuff that came with my DVAP but it, right out of the gate it doesn't support it in just a moment i'll show you how to set up the radio it's so easy all you need to do is predefine your people that you want to call so i've got george in mind for this example Uh, W5JDX and I'll show you in just a minute how to initiate a call with him and I'll show you what to do if if someone initiates a call and calls you how to be able to respond and the reason I say that is as I said while ago you need to put their call sign in the UR field that'll route their traffic to the repeater where you are and you'll be able to hear it incidentally everyone else that's listening to that repeater can hear it as well it's not isolated only to you But for me to be able to talk back to whoever's calling, I need to put their call back in the UR field as well. And the radios make that so easy. There's a button, which I'll show you, that will do it all for you. You can do it manually or or it'll do it for you. Let's take a look at how to set the radio up. I'm going to go by my IC92 at first. And I'm set up for the UHF repeater here, port B. And earlier today, I talked to George, and I actually used call sign right in and talked to him on on the two meter side. <laughs> my, seems probably a little silly, but I was trying to get some data here for the demonstration. But let's let's go through and look at my call sign or my receive list in here, and we'll just bring up the menu, go to receive call signs, enter, and you can see George this is the last one I heard and. I was on my DVAP, and then I heard a bunch of other people as well. well. We'll focus on George's this time. At the moment, I'm set up for CQ, which is the standard way to talk to anyone. I'm using k 5 rkmb and I have the gateway enabled. The gateway is critical here because this is what's going to allow your traffic to go through the Internet and be routed to wherever it needs to be. So let's uh set up like we're gonna give George a call. I've got the marker on the UR field and I'll hit that and we'll scroll through and I, I have George predefined in here. And uh there we go. Now if I were to, to key up right now, it would go find George wherever he was last on and my tra- transmission would come out where he is. A little while ago I said that They need to set their radio up to talk back to you. Um, You'll be in their call sign list. On this particular radio, there's a button, RX to CS. And if you hold that down, you'll see the call signs that you heard. You can scroll through them by turning the selector knob on the top of the radio. And it'll fill in the data that they were heard on. So I'm just going to focus on George's. and I'll, I'll let go of the button he's actually in there now so if i were to talk to key up and talk back wherever he was calling me from it would go out and he should be able to hear me now the way that i know that i need to do that is the typical protocol is when you call someone you you give them a call and you identify that you were using call sign routing so w5 jdx 5 z and o using call sign routing he'll hear that and he'll know that he'll need to to put my call in the ur field to get his traffic back to me so let's let's confirm that it put him in there and we can see it did and i'm still set up for the gateway and everything's good to go so if i were to talk now he should be able to hear me i should be able to respond to him all of the radios that i'm aware of have this same feature to be able to put the call sign back in off of the list the uh eight 80 has the same button George confirmed it the uh, the ID 31 here <clears throat> It's a little bit different. Uh, I suspect the 51 will be the same But I don't have one of them right now You can see I'm set up for CQCQ to use the repeater to bring up the call sign Received list you can just hold down the CD right here on the rocker switch scroll through and find whoever you want and hit the quick menu button And you can see it's right there on the top. The RX to CS, the same same as this button right here. And just hit that. And hit it again, and it's there. To confirm that it actually really did it, let's go take a look. We'll hold down the CS to the right here. And you can see it put his call sign in, and I'm still set up to use my gateway. And it's it's that easy To, to go back. We'll just go back and do it like we always did your call sign use repeater and you can see we're back to lo- using the, the local you know using everything hitting everyone out there to do the same thing on the IC92 it's as easy as pushing the CQ button just hold it in you'll see CQ CQ go across the screen and you're right back to where you started from we can confirm that so you can see We'll go back into the call sign memory, and everything's still there. If you're using a DVAP in the standard software, you can't really do any call sign routing, but what you can do is go to this website and put in the call of whoever you want to talk to, and it'll actually show you where they were last heard, and then you can go on your DVAP and actually link to there to talk to them. So it's not like your hands are tied and you can't talk with the DVAP. It's a, it's a great tool. I love I love my DVAP, but when I'm away, the call sign routing is pretty nice. As you can see, it's really easy. Give it a try. I hope this helps you if you've been a little hesitant to, uh, to dive in or you didn't understand how it works. Make sure you put the one you're calling in the UR field. Make sure you've got the gateway enabled. And you're good to go. Once you're finished, go back in and put CQ back in the UR field so you can make your regular contacts. And that's pretty much it. Um, give me a shout sometime if you want to try it out. I'm usually listening to one of the repeaters uh, if I'm not home on the DVAP. But uh, N5Z and you know, O, I'd be glad to chat with some of you. Give it a try. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. 73.
0: I'm glad you showed that, Tommy, because somebody called me on the radio the other day using call sign routing, and I didn't know how to answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, did he have to call you on the phone and tell you he what did. button to push? But yeah. now
0: I know what button to push, and <laughs> and we've got it all figured out. That is a great feature, though, because like when you're traveling or something like that, it doesn't matter where you are. If I want to get a hold of you, just dial it on yeah, in. Yeah, you
1: just just like I said in the video, though, you've got to remember when you get to a new area to to. Basically, kerchunk the repeater so you get registered on the system. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, incidentally, as far as D-Star goes, I've made a wiki page with some D-Star resources, and it'll be growing. It's kind of short right now. Yeah. But uh, you'll find it on the wiki, and uh, the link's right there to it. Um, but anyway, check it out. If you have some good resources that others might be able to use, send me the uh, an email, and we'll put that on there.
0: Yeah. It, it's going to be a good resource because... There's a lot of good information out there on D-Star, but finding it all in one place is is kind of difficult. So hopefully uh, some of our viewers can take advantage of that who want who to know more about D-Star. We know there are a lot of people out there who do.
1: Yeah, it's cool stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, I've got another email here, and this one comes from our friend Ralph, and I don't have his call letters either. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't believe he's a ham, and we know there are non-hams that watch this show and... And and that's good. But you know? we have
1: converted some of we them. We
0: have converted a number going, of them, and we're working on Ralph right and look, now. Yeah,
1: look out, Ralph. You're next.
0: <laughs> he says he's new to AmateurLogic.tv, and he ran across a show on Roku. And he says he's watched a lot of the series and really enjoys all the guys. And he says, Tommy is quite laid back. You know, I have to prod him over here with a stick every now and then to <laughs> <laughs> keep him going. But he said he saw the episode on the soft rock, and he really en- enjoys building electronics projects, and he's gotten pretty good at soldering. And he said he built a small project using the surface mic technology recently, and it all worked just first time out. So awesome. That's great. Uh, he says he's looking at the soft rock light, too, and his question is what kind of antenna does he need to make it happen? Does he need to build one or, or buy it or help?
1: What do you think, Tommy? I'm always for building.
0: Yeah. And if he's, if he's using a soft rock, then he's going to have an HF receiver there. And uh, I'd say a dipole.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm pretty uh, partial to the off-center fed, a uh, lot of bands.
0: Yeah, a lot of bands on an off-center fed, but uh, it just depends on uh, which band he's building for, mm-hmm. I guess, or, yeah. or what he wants to listen to, but a dipole. Even a piece of wire. I mean, just a long wire will work for a receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you now, There's plenty of verticals out there, but uh, Ralph, just uh, throw you out a piece of wire and see what you hear. And when you get to where you think uh, you need something better, look up a dipole or a quarter wave uh, vertical and carry on from there.
1: Yeah, if he makes that off center fed, uh, he's going to get that ham ticket if he watches a few more shows. Yeah. So he's going to want to transmit on it as yeah. well.
0: By the time he's got through all fifty-one episodes, if uh, he is not a ham by then, well, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait till fifty-two.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what have you got there next, Tommy?
1: Man, I've got one from my friend Wayne. He says he's one of the emailers that recently saw one of our episodes. He had taken a vacation away from the hobby for a while, and uh, the show sparked his interest in the radio radio hobby again. Hmm. Anyway, he's been a Ham since 1957. He's taken several vacations away from it. Says uh, he, too, got the episode, episodes on his Roku. That's really popular. And uh, got his engine started up again. Uh, to get back in the game quickly, he, he recently bought an Icon 3220 on eBay, but the uh, LED display was broken on it, and the only way he could tune it was with the voice synthesizer. He looked at Ham Radio Deluxe, and ICOM, that particular ICOM was not one of the radios that it works with. And you're right, it, it's not. Well, Wayne, it's good to see you found your way back into the hobby. Yeah. But you're right, that radio is not supported by Ham Radio Deluxe. But uh, on the upside, after we got this email, um, I didn't send it into to George yet. But Wayne sent me one back, and he got rid of that radio, and he bought himself an IC706, yeah, right. which is supported. and uh, I hear that's a good rig, too. Yeah, it's, it's real popular, so yeah. you, you'll be a lot more happy with that thing, Wayne. Yeah.
0: You know, when it comes to portable HF operations like field day, backpacking, or emergencies, you need an antenna system that's quick to set up, it's easy to tune, and it's rugged. MFJ's got you covered. The MFJ1928EX is a heavy-duty portable antenna stand that extends to 6 feet and collapses to only 38 inches for easy transportation. This black stainless steel stand will hold up to 66 pounds of antenna steady and comes with a fiberglass telescoping pole and military-grade quick clamps for quick setup. The MFJ 2286 Big Stick is a portable monopole featuring MFJ's rugged stainless steel collapsible whip paired with an adjustable high-Q air-wound coil. Efficiency matters, so it's not surprising this winning combination stands head and shoulders above shorter backpack antennas, The antenna is constructed of all aluminum and stainless steel components for years of great performance and it's rated at one kilowatt. While it extends to a full seventeen feet, the two-pound monopole collapses to just twenty-eight inches in seconds. Adjusting the length of the antenna and the high-Q coil makes tuning a breeze anywhere from seven to fifty-five megahertz. For the lower bands, a counterpoise wire assembly is included. Big stick is for the ham radio operator on the move and on the go, and hungry for the next great QSO, anywhere, anytime. The MFJ 2289 Big Ears use the same high q coil and two of the rugged collapsible monopoles. Efficiency is the key to launching a big signal in remote areas, and Big Ear does it so well, you might forget you left home. The secret is MFJ's incredibly strong and weather-resistant stainless steel telescopic whips stretching to a whopping 34-foot span, twice the length of other portable antennas. The antenna includes a robust 45-degree center mounting block with a built-in ballon, and it's good for up to 1 kilowatt. There's no counterpoise required for full 7 to 55 megahertz operation. If you need a quick setup, rugged, high-performance portable HF antenna, you can't beat the MFJ Big Stick or Big Ear. Available at MFJEnterprises.com or wherever amateur radio products are sold. So, Peter, what have you got for us this time?
1: Well, George, I spent the day at the Ham Fest. Oh, which Ham Fest was that, Peter? The Wyong Ham Fest. I try to go there every year. Well, cool. Let's take a look at the video.
3: Hello, everyone, from the 2013 Wyong Field Day. I'm Peter VK3PB, and I'm here with Chris VK2YY, who's the president of the uh, Central Coast Amateur Radio Club, and also Peter VK3MY, a good friend of mine from Melbourne and the Wireless Institute of Australia, uh, has joined us. Uh, first, Chris. Uh Great uh, great turnout, given
1: the wild weather we had last uh, night. Last night, we, we thought it was going to be a flop and we thought we are going to be just in recovery mode, but it looks like we've got about twelve or 1,400 people here, so it's been fantastic. Everyone's really supported us great.
3: Yeah, uh, you cannot believe uh, we had severe storms last night, pelting rain, um, it, terrible weather. Uh, I thought it would be a washout today, but, uh, look, it's just t- turned out great. It's sunny, uh, 30 degrees. And, of course, Peter, you've come up with the Wireless Institute of Australia. That's correct. yep. Okay, and you're represented as well. And, of course, we've got uh, a whole range of commercial exhibitors. Now, uh, Chris, the uh, Wildfield Day is the largest ham fest in Australia, isn't yes,
4: it?
1: Yes, absolutely, yes. And uh, it's been well supported and it's been going since uh, the mid-50s and it will continue okay, to I'm
3: go. Peter from Amitologic. And... I'm
1: John Fattell from
4: Fattel Communications in Top Macquarie.
3: Uh, g- g'day John, so uh, Port Macquarie It's been a little bit of a drive How many hours drive down from uh, there to no, here? Only three Only three, oh, that's not too bad And uh, so uh, you've got a few Icom radios I see um, VX170s and the like And uh, what do we got here? Um, what we call it is Curiosities Good quality Crap yeah, noticed, uh, I presume there are a few old commercial radios in there. Most of it's old commercial stuff, which has been gone, but uh, oh. we've cleaned out pretty well everything we had since we've had it. Well, I reckon we've got rid of well over three quarters of what we bought down. Oh, well, that's good. So it's been uh, uh, it's been very successful from your point of view from coming down? Um. A lot of the eminent clubs have picked up a lot of stuff which they've taken away
2: for future projects of so what they want to build stuff with, <laughs> like cavities and all these sort of things. It? I'm Seppo, VK2 SMA.
3: Right, and over here we've got...
2: Kevin. G'day,
3: Kev. <laughs> okay. And uh, where have you come down from? Uh, from Sydney. Right. Uh, and, and uh, well, uh, you're one of the few uh, storeholders to brave the wild and windy weather we've had. But, uh, yeah, it
2: took a bit of a risk, uh, but uh, it was worth the risk, actually. It turned
3: yeah. out. Um, what have you brought along to sell today?
2: Uh, I've brought all sorts of things. Um, I did a bit of a clean-up uh, from my shack, uh-huh. and I brought in radios. And actually, a lot of the stuff's already gone, but I've got crows and... Uh, around sound systems and I've got this old antique rare six transistor radio here as well which oh. is 1957 um, yeah I've got uh, a couple of PCs and all sorts of things
3: right and uh, have you found the stuff's been moving fairly well uh? Uh,
2: yes I've actually put uh, moved quite a lot of stuff yeah.
3: it, it amazes me how uh, one man's junk is another man's treasure <laughs>
2: exactly and uh, I think uh, it was sort of some of it was my treasure, but uh, hopefully it'll be somebody else's treasure as well. So.
3: It's it's a pleasure to meet you and your friend here, and uh, uh, and uh, yeah, look, you have a good time here at the Hamfest. Thank you. Uh, okay, I'm here with Lee Andrews from Andrews Communications. Welcome to Amallogic, Lee. Uh, uh, thank you. Look, uh, it's great to have yourself and uh, the other commercial exhibitors out here, um, and you've got an absolute uh, plethora of stuff uh, uh, available for sale here. Um, you, uh, you come every year to Wyong? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, you weren't d- deterred at all by the wet and wild weather that we've had? Not at all. Well, no, that's great. And I notice also uh, the podcast that I make, I actually make with three guys from Mississippi. And uh, I notice that you've got Mfj. Uh, you stock Mfj uh, stuff. Is that right? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh, right. right. So uh, now. Ed was just telling me beforehand that uh, I think it's ATRC has closed down in Sydney, so that means that you're now the only Sydney-based uh, amateur radio shop. Uh, is that correct? That's true. That's correct. Okay, I'm here with Dale, VK1DSH. Welcome, welcome to amateur logic Dale. Thank you, Peter. Look, what have we got here at this table here? A whole lot of uh, goodies.
4: It's uh, a selection of equipment that people have uh, either purchased or built, mostly built, for the new 630 metre amateur band. Right, so this is a new new frequency allocation for radio amateurs here in Australia. That's right, it's a worldwide allocation, which we won at uh, the last World Radio Conference last year. So from the 1st of January, Australian amateurs were allowed access to... 479. Sorry, uh, 472 to 479 kilohertz. Right, so that's seven kilohertz. Seven kilohertz wide wide. wide allocation, and uh, I imagine they're being so
3: close to the uh, broadcast band that in fact you'd need a really, really, really big antenna to uh, uh, to 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 transmit with.
4: Well, it's a bit misleading because most of us don't have really big antennas, and yet we can achieve quite reasonable distances. Certainly, mostly most parts of Australia. Uh, are achievable. Yeah. It, 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 it's very slow data rates, of course. Yeah.
3: Um, uh, I, I also mentioned you could use a loop antenna.
4: People use loop antenna for reception. As far as I know, no one's using it for re- transmitting yet. But it could be done.
3: Okay. And you've been many, uh, managed to work interstate with uh, that, that sort of a setup.
4: Uh, well, we routinely work yeah interstate. The last contact, surprisingly, was actually here to Europe. Okay. So well, we had we bad. had a whisper con a, a, whisper, a report of a, a reception of a whisper signal yep. from France from Canberra to France. Well, that, that's Which excellent. Is, what about the uh, power limit? So is there a power limit? For the- there is. There's a five watt EIRP limit.
3: Okay, it's not very much, but so uh, to get to France from there is uh, pretty good going. Okay, I'm here with Judy VK T J U and Peter VK4NBL from Amset VK. What what do uh, Amset do here in Australia?
4: Basically, there's uh, there's four satellites up there at the moment that mm-hmm. we can uh, get access to. Um, we've got AO7, uh, VO52, FO29, which the guys are outside doing a demonstration of right now. And uh, SO50, isn't it, Jude, the uh, FM bird? Mm-hmm. So we've got four available that we can uh, go through here in Australia. Mm-hmm.
3: OK. Does um, MSET uh, VK do uh, any construction work, Is it like making uh, CubeSats or the like? No, we're, we're just a free Yahoo group, and mainly it's simply for interest. Yeah, I'm here with Anthony from JCar. JCar, uh, for those overseas, is a uh, Australia-wide um, electronics store. And uh, yeah, great, great, great uh, to meet you, Anthony. Nice meet you. Welcome, Peter. welcome to Amlogic. Uh And uh, look, I'm just amazed. You're, uh, do you come here every
4: year. Every year we're here.
5: Um, we get uh, different stuff from other stores to help you know move some of our returned product.
3: Yeah, and uh, look, uh, amazed at the prices. You've got a uh, hi-fi turntable music centre here, going for uh, ten dollars, which is uh, incredible value.
5: Yeah, as I said, you know they're, they're return stock, so some of it's you know just user error, um, some slight defect here, maybe a scratch or a blown speaker, so.
3: I think that's another great reason for uh, people to come along to the Wyong Field Day. They can uh, pick up an absolute bargain. And even if there is a, a slight uh, technical fault, uh, they, uh, uh, you know, uh, the people that... Uh the ham radio operators here uh, would have no problems generally fixing that up. So, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, terrific, and uh, yeah, you've got a, a pretty wide range about full, yeah. four full sets of tables well, most here. Of
5: the people that come here are into electronics, so those things that do have minor faults, it's easy enough for them to fix, so they can get a pretty good bargain out of it.
3: Yep, uh, I absolutely agree for hardly. Okay, thanks very much, Anthony. You have a nice you have a nice day. Uh, I'm here with John McElwain from the Historical Radio Society. Welcome, John, to Amallogic. Yes, very nice to catch up with you. Uh, the Historical Radio Society is devoted to the collection and the restoring of old radios for future generations to enjoy. Uh, we're generally invited along to these functions wherever we can, so we can put on a display for. Perhaps to younger people uh, that can look back in the the history uh, and help them with any questions they may have Right, do you um, uh, let's say people are interested in restoring an old radio or uh, just even getting contact with the society where can they find you? Well we have a a catalogue, you can go on the net uh, and uh, you you can find us on the net under HRSA and uh, you'll find all the information available there Uh, uh, you can also download a uh, application form and make inquiries. Hey, terrific. Well, nice to meet you, John. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that wraps it up for this year, uh, the 2013 Weiling Field Day. I want to thank Ed, VK2JI, for being my cameraman today. Thanks so much, Ed. You're very welcome. Uh, the people here have been really friendly. Uh, I think I'll be going home with a stereo system because they're so cheap. May as well. And, uh, look, uh, I just want to recommend uh, Gosford uh, and District is a great place to stay, great place to come up for a weekend. And the Wyong Field Day, uh, plenty of bargains, plenty of great people to meet, and uh, we've got people from all over Australia coming here. So I can thoroughly recommend it. So from Wyong 2013, cheers. 73s.
1: That looks like a good Hamfest, fest, Peter. I uh, there were some good interviews there. Uh, yes, it was. And
0: all right, Tommy. You know, fast are the same all over the world. Well, seventy-three, Peter. <laughs> good to see you again.
1: Yeah, yeah seventy-three, Peter. Maybe he get that computer straightened out for next yeah. month. Um, anyways, uh, well, I've got an email here from my friend Don KC9QPM. I have an idea for you guys on the use of the Raspberry Pi apr has a linux version of their software or you can download a program called dsd to decode some of the digital phone modes they include d star project 25 and moto turbo it may even do other modes as well just figured i'd give you guys a lead in on those i'm going to order mine this coming week so we can play too and uh, I, i've uh, never heard of I think I've heard of the APRSIS before, uh, for, although I've never used it. But uh, I've never heard of DSD. Have you?
0: No. That's I, I, I've matter. never
1: heard of any software that would decode uh, Star, but I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Anyway, appreciate the heads up on that, Donald. definitely check that out.
0: Yeah, I've got one here from Jeff, KD0SEG. And he said that he's a new ham, and he was first licensed in 2012. And then he got his general ticket in late January. Uh, congratulations. Uh, and his wife, Katie 0 rtx and he are building their ham shack up. And he, he says they've got a Yaesu, uh FT-857D. And for the next step, they're looking at a good desk mic or a good uh, filtering external speaker. And he wants to know what's the opinion of the Amateur Logic team. Well, Tommy, what is the team opinion on that?
1: Uh, I tend to kind of favor the high mics. You do? Yeah, I, right. I love my pr twenty two.
0: Well, he's he's wanting a mic or a filtering speaker, one or the other. So, yeah, I would go with uh, the how mics are great. You know, it all comes down to what it sounds like in the long run. So, mm-hmm. if you can get a few mics uh, that maybe some of your buddies have got, try them with your radio or with someone else who has an FT-857. Because uh, all rigs are, are a little bit different, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily a base rig, but... You know, it will benefit by having an external mic. As far as a speaker goes, um, definitely you need an external speaker on on any rig, in my opinion. Uh, Filtering speaker, I guess, uh, maybe he's talking about a clear speech or Mm -hmm. or one of those. And I've never tried one myself. I know that the uh, 857 does have DSP in it. That's Mm -hmm. what you run in it, Tommy.
1: It is. I use it for a bass. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: But... uh, yeah, I've got one of them, too, and the DSP in it is maybe not quite as good as it is in some more expensive rigs. So I'm not sure if a clear speech would uh, improve that or not, but uh, maybe some of our viewers can chime in on that one and let us know.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting to find out about as yeah. well. well. We haven't heard from our icon friends yet. What are they up to this month? Well, this month they want to talk about
0: HF, VHF, and UHF. If you want to take a high-performing HF rig or a solid 2-meter mobile on the road, are you away from home and you want to tap into D-Star in the palm of your hand, en route on location and on the go, let ICOM help you take ham radio on the road. HF, VHF, or UHF, ICOM has you covered wherever you go. Check out the IC7410 and IC7200, two HF radios that employ ICOM's signature DSP technology. The IC7410 is an all-mode HF transceiver. It's got dual-conversion super heterodyne system, a built-in auto tuner, and built-in 15 kHz first IF filter and optional 3 kHz and 6 kHz filters. The IC7200 offers solid performance and digital flexibility. It also includes selectable filter width and shape, excellent receiver performance, and it's compact and rugged, even with a water-resistant front panel. And when it comes to mobiles, have you considered the V8000 for your next adventure on 2 meters? It's got 75 watts of power output in a rugged die-cast aluminum chassis, fast memory channel scanning with dynamic memory scan, complete radio control in the palm of your hand with the versatile mic, backlight customization, and weather scan alert, an amateur radio first. And let's not forget ICOM's line of D-Star handheld radios, too. The IC92AD is one rugged VHF UHF dual bender. Its submersible construction can withstand harsh outdoor elements, dual watch capability, a built-in voice recorder in DV mode, and optional GPS mic. It's great for MCOM and search and rescue. The IC-80AD is another dual-bander with extended receive coverage. It's the handheld companion to the ID-880H mobile rig that I use, and it's an affordable option for hams interested in trying D-Star. It's durable and splash-proof, and it has NOAA weather radio pre-programmed. The UHF D-Star ID-31A has so many features for on-to-go operation. It's got built-in GPS... It's compact and lightweight with waterproof construction. It's got a micro SD card slot and repeater list up for quick access to nearby D-Star repeaters. So make sure you visit ICOM America slash HF dash VHF dash UHF for more information on ICOM's line of on-the-go radios. Well, I'm
1: going to be taking ICOM on the road with me on Monday. You are? Yeah, I'm going up to Connecticut for work, and I'm going to go out on the limb leave the DVAP at home this time, and we'll rely strictly on call sign routing this trip. Okay. So it's a short trip, so maybe I'll survive that one. But uh, anyway, just be sure and check in on the repeater every now and then so it'll find you if I give you a holler.
0: Okay. If I don't answer you, give me a call on the phone. Yeah. Tell me which button to push. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just watch my segment. All right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Star, from now through April the 1st, if you buy an ID31 or an ID51, from gigaparts.com, you'll get a free USB thumb drive and a hat.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah. Thanks, Gigaparts. You know, we had not done anything lately on the Arduino, Tommy. Yeah, we haven't. We're past due. I've got something just special for you right here. <laughs> the the Arduino, Arduino later. Here's our built-up circuit. We've got a little speaker here, and that's connected to ground on the Arduino, as well as digital pin number eight. We'll be using that pin as an output to drive the speaker. Over here on digital pin number two, we're going to use it as an input, follow this yellow wire back, and we'll find that it goes to one side of a push-button switch. The other side of that push-button switch goes to the ground bus here. This row of terminals on the back. We can see down here on the opposite end, there is a black wire that runs over and connects to ground on the Arduino. Right beside that's a red wire that comes up and connects to the top end of a potentiometer. Also from that red wire, which is plus 5 volts, there's a 10k ohm resistor here. And that's connected to the side of the push button switch that runs back over here to digital pin number 2. That's called a pull-up resistor. And the reason it's there is we want to hold this value high on the line at all times. When we push the push button that will short it out to ground so then this lead will go low. Here on analog input number zero of the Arduino, we've got this blue wire that runs back and connects to the center pin of the pot or the wiper. And on the low side of the tensiometer we've got a little jumper back here, a little black wire that connects it to ground. Now the way this should work is We can turn this potentiometer, and that should change the frequency of our tone. And if we push the push button, that should double whatever frequency has been dialed in with the pot there. Now here's our source code. This section at the top here is where we declare our variables in advance of writing the actual program. INT here stands for integer, and that just means it's a whole number. The first one we got listed here is the pot pin and equal zero, I'm just setting the initial value of that to zero. And this is going to be the analog pin used to connect the potentiometer that we're going to use to change the frequency with. These two little slashes out here means that this is a comment and this won't execute. You'll notice that every line in here has a semicolon at the end of the executable statement. Below that I've got a pot value, which I'm initially setting to zero, that's going to be a variable to hold the value of the potentiometer as we turn it. Our third integer here is going to be called button, and I'm going to set that for two because that means we're going to use digital pin number two to connect our push button to. The fourth integer will be button value, I'm initially setting that to zero. What this will mean is normally it's going to be one which means the button is open, If it's zero then that means the button is closed, and this value will change as we press and release the button. The next down here is integer speaker equals eight, and that just means that we're using digital pin number eight to connect our speaker output to. And then the final declared variable here is an integer we're going to call freak. We'll set that to zero, and that's just going to be the frequency of the tone that we're generating. Now the next section here, it's called setup. Void is written at the front of that, which means that this function doesn't return anything. Setup is going to be called any time an Arduino program is first run. And we notice we've got these curly braces here. There's one going to the left at the beginning of this setup section here. And there's one going to the right at the bottom of it. That marks this as belonging to setup, the first line we've got in setup is serial dot begin, and then in parentheses 9600. What that tells the Arduino to do is open up serial communications and do it at 9600 baud. The next line here is pin mode, and then in parentheses button comma input for the pin named button which if we look up here that's going to be pin number 2. We're going to set it as an input as opposed to an output. The next section of our code here is a loop and just about all Arduino programs are going to have a loop that executes continuously while the program's running. The first thing we're going to do is read the value of the potentiometer and that value can be anywhere between 0 and 1023. So we have pot value and we know pot value, if we look up here, is going to be an integer, equals analog read, and then in parentheses, pot pin. We're going to do an analog read of pot pin, which is pin number zero, and we'll assign whatever value that is read and put it in pot val. The next line is button val equals digital read, and then in parentheses, button semicolon. What this does is it's going to read digital pin Number button, and if we look up here in our variables we see that button is gonna be two. So we'll do a digital read of pin number two and assign whatever value is there to the variable name button value. Next we're gonna do a comparison statement here. If the button value equals one, if we look up here we saw that what we said is one will equal button open so if the button is not pressed, frequency is going to equal potval. We just got potval right here, so we'll just assign that straight to the frequency variable. Next, we have an else statement, so if buttonval is not equal to 1, freak is going to equal potval times 2. Whatever value we read here on the analog input from the potentiometer, we're going to multiply that by 2. So, either one of these things will have to happen. If it's a 1, it's just going to be the straight frequency for the value that the potentiometer is set to. If we're equal anything else, which can only be 0 in our case, then the frequency is going to equal pot valve times 2. Next, we'll produce a tone. So we've got tone, and then in parentheses, speaker, comma, frequency. We're going to generate a tone, and we're going to produce it on digital line speaker, which if we look back up here, that's going to be pin 8, and the tone will be freak. And then the final line, serial.println, or P-R-I-N-T-L-N, and then in parentheses, freak. What this is going to do is just for debugging, it's going to write the value of whatever freak is to our terminal window here so that we can see on the computer what frequency is actually being generated. And this program can run without a computer attached, So this is just for our benefit while we're debugging. So let's upload the code and see how it goes. We'll reach up here and we'll push the upload button. We'll see the code load into the Arduino and as soon as it's loaded in, it begins running. We can go over here to Tools and we'll click on Serial Monitor and now we can see that the pod is turned all the way down. So we have a frequency Now let's change that pot and see what happens. As we start increasing the frequency, we'll notice on the serial monitor that the frequency is increasing there as well. Now let's push the switch and see what happens. We notice that the value on the serial port doubles. So there you go, a simple little Arduino program that is a useful square wave oscillator. And it shows us how to use a potentiometer and a push button. The Arduino is a lot of fun to play with, and even if you're intimidated by programming, you should give this a try. It's really not that difficult, and there's a lot of instructions and projects online to help you along the way. I'll be back.
1: Man, that's pretty funny, the Arduino later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That was great. uh, That Arduino is just an awesome device, and uh, your, your segment showed a lot of the possibilities you can do with that thing. A lot of people don't even think about the analog inputs. Yeah,
0: I just wanted to show how simple it was, you know, to, to use an analog input and a digital input and how little code it took to do that with.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really short. Yeah,
0: Good and one. there's plenty of resources on the internet, so if you've got a little hankering maybe to play around with microcontrollers, highly recommended. Well, tell me what do you say we go check in with Cheapy Mill. Hey, Emil, how's everything going down south?
5: Ah, pretty good, guys. Pretty good. It's a uh, good, uh, good time. Good weather, right, uh, right about now down here.
0: No more repercussions from your power failure last month.
5: I haven't heard anything from anyone, George.
0: Okay, that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what have you got to show us this week?
5: Um, uh, this week or this month, uh, I'm going to do uh, a segment on both analog and digital uh, modes of uh, slow scan television. Uh, using the Digital Master 780 from the Ham Radio Deluxe Suite, and EasyPal software. So, uh, you know, they both have their pros and cons, and that's where I I cover I covered those pros and cons in this uh, segment. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cheap Old Man Minutes with KE5QKR. With the EasyPal software, which is a digital picture or slow-scan television mode, you can send pictures back and forth. You can send uh, pictures of documents even, forms. Uh, some of the emergency communication forms are built into the software, which makes it unique. You can send messages via the waterfall, actual pictures of text and numbers via the waterfall to the left there on the screen. Um, so there's pretty there's a lot of things that make this software unique. Um, the, the obvious difference between this software and um, some of the other slow scans is that it's sending digital information which makes the pictures a little uh, crisper and cleaner as far as the transfer goes uh, some of the analog uh, pictures from let's say uh, HRD's digital of s- slow scan you know the analog modes come out grainy or um, distorted based on atmospheric conditions so this one is pretty neat in that regard and uh, works pretty well signal levels do have to be a little bit higher for this to uh, actually transmit and work good so that's a drawback but depending on the conditions this is a good way to go and a neat software especially with, with how they've integrated uh, some of the emergency radio inform sending options in it good stuff they've also integrated the internet into it via FTP and other internet websites so you can relay messages if uh, pictures or the transmissions are outside of your range and you didn't quite copy it, the software will actually <laughs> relay or go get copies of it from other sites. So, neat stuff. I haven't played with that function too much, but uh, maybe another episode. So anyway, easy pal. Uh, give it a look. It's pretty neat. On the analog side of imaging and slow scan television, there's the Digital Master 780 program, which is a part of the Hammer neo deluxe suite of software. It has its advantages and Uh, disadvantages just like the digital modes do but uh, otherwise a well-written software and works really well especially being integrated with the uh, HRD suite and options. You can tune the radio since it's integrated with the ham radio deluxe software to the favorite spots or the favorite frequencies that slow-scan television uses across the bands. They've actually written that into the software which is nice since it is integrated with HRD. good feature of this software uh, some of the images, you'll notice the difference on the analog versus the uh, digital transfer mode in EasyPal. Some of the differences, you know, some of these images are uh, grainy depending on the atmospheric conditions. Um, you might not even get a full image or a detailed or a uh, decoded, properly decoded image. So uh, there are advantages, but this one, you know, just like CW, it'll come through. <laughs> it may not be the best looking picture, but. You could probably make out something if there's a uh, if you have to um, some sync errors as far as the vertical or horizontal uh, sync goes, uh, but sometimes you get really good images, um, you know, depending on the atmospheric conditions. So, uh, great stuff, neat stuff. There's a lot of people out there doing it, so you can jump right into this one as far as receiving. But uh, go ahead and get out there and send your pictures back and forth and create your. QSOs with the cards. Like I said, it's kind of like an instant QSO uh, exchange, uh, QSL cards, which is nice. You can hear some of the audio there of slow scan television. Probably heard that on the bands.
0: Lemille, well, that EasyPal being digital just looked great. Why would you ever even want to use the analog anymore?
5: Well, you, you know, George just like uh the good old modes like CW and other um um modes they just seem to other modes seem to come through when the signal uh conditions just aren't there so the analog definitely has
1: its place
0: so you're saying that you can get an analog signal through in times that the digital just wouldn't work
1: that's correct okay. oh, that's interesting that, that's a lot like the old wefax stuff i used to play around with a long time ago with my short wave receiver
5: yeah, yeah, you know, you could see the picture at least. It might be a little fuzzy or, or or not, you know, depending on the conditions. But at least you can make out the basics.
0: All right. Well, that was cool, man. Glad you uh, showed us a little bit on slow scan TV this week or this month, and we'll look forward to something cheap next month. Do You know what you're going to do yet?
5: Yeah, I'm. I'm probably going to continue down this trend of uh, digital modes and uh, demonstrations, and uh, I know one of them that's. Pretty dear to your heart, probably, Um, as far as audio goes. There's a lot of adjustments to do with audio, so I'll probably cover something uh, along those lines while doing one of the other modes.
0: Cool. We can't have too much audio. Well, good to see you again, man. We'll look forward to another Cheap Old Man Minute in April.
1: All righty, 73. 73. 73 to you, man. It's
0: always great to visit with our raging Cajun, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, man. He is a hoot.
0: He is. (laughs) If you're going to be in the south, then you want to stop by Gigaparts in Huntsville, Alabama on March the 16th for Ham Radio Day. I'm going to be driving over.
1: Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. I hate I'm not going to be able to make it.
0: Yeah, well, I'll just have all the fun for you. Yeah,
1: you bring me back a chicken leg like you did from MFJ. Yeah, I guess they do chicken chicken legs in Alabama. I don't (laughs) know.
0: But it's going to be a lot of fun. There'll be a lot of uh, representatives from the different amateur radio companies there. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, speaking with some of them and meeting some of our friends over there and viewers. So, if you can, make it over to Huntsville, Alabama on March the 16th for Gigaparts Ham Radio Day. Looking forward to big time. And you know, I think I'm going to uh, be on HF somewhere that uh, Friday night, the 15th, driving over. I don't know. I guess I'll be somewhere on 80 meters. Depends on what time of the day I leave. But uh, I guess I'll post it on the Facebook group, the Amateur Logic yeah, Facebook group. Yeah,
1: post it on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah,
0: and uh, maybe we'll talk to some of you on the ride. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. We've got a little house cleaning to do here at the end. Tell us about our net,
1: Tommy. Yeah, we have the Amateur Logic net on the do drop-in conference server, node three five five eight hundred. hmm um, it's at 8.30 Central Time, and I should have done the math for what uh, UTC is. But anyway, it's on the Monday following release day.
0: Yep. So, anyway. And that's usually the third Monday of the month. Yeah, typically, yes, it is. Yeah, and check out Do Drop In at Star, Do Drop In Star on Echo Link. Just about every night there's something going on there. They have a lot of nets. I think they have the Amateur Radio Newsline net on Saturdays mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a lot of fun too. Bunch of great guys there. And we do want you to join us on our Facebook group. Just search for Amateur Logic on Facebook and join in. We've got a lot of members there. There's always a lot of activity going on discussion, people asking questions, people making silly comments, and uh, just all kinds of stuff. Great group of guys there. And we got the same thing going on other places, don't we, Tom?
1: Yeah, we're on Google Plus. Yeah. And uh, we also have the, I mentioned a few minutes ago, a Twitter account Yeah, at Amateur Logic.
0: So just uh, yeah, follow out Amateur Logic on Twitter or search for Amateur Logic on uh, Google, uh, Google Plus. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also find us on Roku. As each new episode comes out, we're available on Roku.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm really surprised at uh, how many people have found us through there. Yeah, Um, alone. So it's a very popular service.
0: Yeah. We're spreading the amateur radio gospel everywhere we go.
1: Yeah. Spreading the amateur love, man. Yeah. (laughs) Amateur love. Hmm. (laughs) Poor choice of words. Yeah. You can
0: also find us on iTunes or on YouTube. Just about anywhere good video is served up. And don't forget the wiki.
1: Yeah. The uh, wiki is back.
0: It's uh, amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Yeah,
1: it took me a little while to get that bad boy back on. The uh, The other one we had was getting hacked all yeah. the time. So we took it down and got a nice new secure one up there and uh, steady adding content to it. I mentioned the D Star page earlier. Um, anyway, go check it out.
0: Yeah, our friend uh, Dan N5LVS maintains it for us. And uh, we try to keep uh, documents like you'll find the uh, schematic for the project that I did today with the Arduino on there. And we'll be adding more documents as time goes on so that you can look up some of our schematics. You'll also find the links that we talked about in the show. So uh, a good resource to follow up with after you've watched each episode.
1: Yeah, like George said, special thanks to Dan for doing all that hard work on it. He's done a great job. He has. And we want to remember our friend uh, Tom
0: Samasico. Uh, KB4HQA from HQA com. He's been kind of out here for, uh, oh, I don't know, several weeks now. He's mm-hmm. had a few health problems, but we wish him a speedy recovery and I uh, hope he's able to return to the air before long.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, that's it for episode 52. It's been a lot of fun. It's kind of lonesome around here, Tommy.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, maybe we can get our down-under friend back next next month. I think if he watches this one, he'll make sure he's back <laughs> next month. <laughs> All right, 73. Yeah, 73. Well, George, I spent the day at the (laughs) Hamfest. That was bad. No, that was perfect.
0: Or maybe you want to tap into D-POM.
1: Let's don't. All right,
0: Tommy, you know, Hamfests are the same all over the world.